Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of the Let's Talk Audio Podcast. Woohoo! So, first off, happy International Podcasting Day. Second, today we have Danny Oberly. She is a sound designer, field recordist, and sound artist based in Austin. She's been doing audio since about 2006, and currently she is a senior audio artist at BioWare Making Video Games, which is super cool. So without further ado, we're just going to get on ahead and get on into it with Danny. Let's talk audio. First and foremost, will you please tell the people, the masses, the humans who are listening, uh, what it is you actually do? Like who you are, what you do, introduce yourself, and that sort of... Uh... What we were supposed to do like an hour ago before we became best friends. Yeah, yeah that thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, <laughs> yeah. that whole thing. <laughs> Hi, my name is Danielle Burley. I am a sound designer, and I work at BioWare, which is a video game studio the electronic arts umbrella and you work on sci-fi and fantasy games you may know me from such titles as star wars the old republic anthem mass effect andromeda and currently in production on our new dragon age title which i'm very excited about so yeah <clears throat> i've also uh worked in live sound which we talked about a little bit more on like the kind of like haul in haul out setup part of it and like other AV related things. And yeah, I've also worked at a couple of little post houses and stuff like that. Going back before that. So yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and I love fields recording, which is why you can't see it in the podcast. I tried to clean up a little bit of my camera. There's like microphones and stuff all around me because I was recently doing a talk uh, with someone on field recording. So there's microphones everywhere. I mean, I already got out a parabolic dish. So I mean, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. So, okay. First off, look, I think that's super cool that you've done so many different things. <laughs> Actually, I remember meeting you. I don't. And it's okay if you don't remember this, because I do remember meeting you at AAS meetup at Moody. Did we go to the the one where we went to the we went to the blah, Austin City Limits? Was that yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay, I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Just the briefly. Moody Theater, that place with the stuff and things. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. I, What's the, important is that remember each other. The point is, I yeah. remember walking. Okay, and you were there, and I was like, yeah. oh, I'll talk okay. to you, and then I yeah, failed we got to. to you. We got to see, yeah, the the Austin City Limits, like, behind the scenes and see how they set up their production. It was a cool thing that we got It was really cool, actually. I really enjoyed that. I didn't realize that they were free. (laughs) That it was, like, a raffle ticket situation, because I'd always wanted to go, and I didn't realize that that's what it was. I thought you had to buy the tickets. I seen that, too. (laughs) They were like, you don't buy tickets. They're free. And I was like, wait, what? I'm sorry? I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Because I guess, like, there's a difference between the Austin City Limits thing and then them doing concerts at... Yeah, because I'd been to that, that yeah, arena to see concerts before, so I just sort of assumed it was the same. But it shows how little we know about the city where we lived. 
look ain't that the truth i'll be like <laughs> there's a lot to do and know here though which is one of the cool things about living here there are cities that are amazing to visit and then there are cities that are amazing to live in and i feel like austin is largely one of the cities that feels good to live in and that's why i like living here it's like lots of stuff to do and see but also like it's just very livable a little bit less like big cathedral sites but lots of things to do yeah yeah so okay so are you are you from Austin then or? No. Um, so I was born in the Midwest and I from like lived in the Northern Illinois and Southern Wisconsin rural areas okay. <laughs> for most of my, uh, my adult, not adult, uh, young, young yeah. adult and childhood <laughs> era. Yeah. I went to Madison Media Institute in Madison, Wisconsin, which was like a small college that just did music technology recording, um, video and graphic design. And in, in the early days, they were like a DJ radio sort of studio. And they, like in the last year or two, I think they finally shut their doors. But they were like a really focused program. And I got good education there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I went to school there. And then after that, uh, I moved to Chicago to take an internship. Uh, and then I moved to Dallas to take a different internship. And that's how I ended up in Texas. And that was down in 2007. And then I worked at... I worked at Gearbox uh, for a little while, and then I worked at a post house called Townworks for a little while. And then I got a contract at BioWare, um, and I did a couple of contracts with them, Did and that brought me to Austin. And then I did, after one of my contracts ended, I did some freelance stuff with some outsourcing game studios, and then I started getting into the I didn't, I don't know, so much just happened. Then I did another contract that I got laid off. <laughs> yeah. Then I got laid off. And then that's when I started doing the stage stuff. I actually picked up a, a part-time job just because I was like, I need something to do, you know, because you go crazy, uh, you know, you know, after you've been laid off or a contract ends and didn't have, you weren't able to get something else lined up. So, yeah, so I, I took like a part-time job doing AV at a hotel and that sort of started to end up being a lot of hours. And then I'd meet someone they'd be like, well, I have this job. And then so I started working with like, stage alliance and the stage hand union um and they're like oh you do audio <laughs> cool go work with audio team and so i started that kept me real busy for like a year and then i got a, a call back really out of the blue because i thought i'm just gonna stay in live now for forever this is cool and i like where it's going and i want to see where it takes me um and then um, i got a call kind of out of the blue, like we have a kind of sudden vacancy like do you want to come back and i was like well, i'll come back for a while because i've got this good thing going on and you know, the games industry, it's it can be unstable. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to get laid off again in six months. And things were still pretty, like, unstable. Like, just were having layoffs, like, pretty regularly. Um, but things had really changed. And so he was doing really well. And so, uh, yeah, I got converted to a full-time position. And I've been there ever since. So, right. yeah. Just putting on a bunch of cool projects. So, yeah, I answered the question, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, sorry, I'm... I'm always thinking too much. So then how did Not you get start in the beginning with audio? Like, did you want to always do like <clears throat> production stuff or audio, be in the world of audio in general? Or was it like, I don't know, you got just to it later on in life? So I took like a, in junior high or I guess they call it middle school now. I don't know. <laughs> we had both. We had a middle school and a junior high in my hometown we had a computer lab class and part of that was um, there was like you take like a aptitude test and then it suggests different careers for you mm. and I knew that I liked music but I wasn't like you know a musician or something and I didn't I played like guitar like everybody else 
I was like goth and had big pants and it was really cool. <laughs> and uh, I knew I liked music, but I also started getting into cars and I liked working on stuff and knowing how to build things, I guess. And so it's just, oh, you like, like a career as a broadcast technician. I was like, oh yeah, people make TV <laughs> and they make shows. I was like, that's interesting. I like that idea. Maybe I'll pursue that. So like then as I went to high school, I started taking like electronics classes and um, they had like a student, pretty good student news program. So I started taking some classes with that. And actually like I met, I don't remember how I met this person through a friend of a friend or something. And they're like, oh, well, like we have, we have like lunch at the same time. Like just come to the AV room and like, I'll like show you the ropes, which was really cool. And so they just kind of started me like showing me some of the different um stuff like from the beginning like this is the input and this is the output and this is signal flow <laughs> this is how it works um and so we would hang out at lunch in the AV club <laughs> room or whatever yeah and so I learned some stuff there and took some classes I was like oh, I do I do really like this um and so I thought well maybe I'd like to become a recording engineer and then I can like you know help these cool indie bands because whatever music you like as a teenager is of course the best music that has ever been produced of course, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you <laughs> but that was like sort of my just like I'm gonna like of my own indie label and I'm gonna like help these bands like like you know make it into the world and I'm gonna record them and or whatever and I, I love and I love doing it so I decided to go to school for it and I found that college was, wasn't too far away from my hometown and decided to go there and then I realized very quickly that I hated working with bands especially in college because I was like straight edge and it's like I like was always like on time and very like I'm here to work uh, which is all good but like you know bands in college are not about that life and I don't know if you know, some bands are better than ours obviously if you're in a really successful band you have to be on time you have to do your rehearsals all that but I was like man I don't I don't think I like, <laughs> like this what am I gonna do I love working with the tech and I like my fellow classmates and my teachers but then, like, it was literally, like, one of the teachers a few days later just printed off this handout and handed it to us. It's like, here is, like, all the careers that you can do in audio. And I was like, oh, <laughs> people also make audio for blah, blah, blah. And it sounds so stupid, but that's just kind of how it, like, it unveiled for me. And so I was like, well, there was me and a few other kids in my class that were also interested in, like, post-related stuff. And so we would kind of work on little projects together that you'd ask the teacher, like, well, can we do something that's more focused on this? Because they would do music. They also had us, like, mix movie movies and, like, take little clips and all that stuff you do in college where you place audio in, like, a clip or whatever and learn different software. So it just sort of, like, kind of held on to those opportunities um, when I, I had them. And then, yeah, so I started focusing on that and was able to get a, an internship at a post house and sort of like so then I started going down that road but I, I kind of always wanted to get into games because I like the idea that so you know with post it's a, it's I, I love doing post too but it's a 2d it's a 2d medium and it's all sort of in the screen and what's on the screen is what you see and that's where you create your story but when you're in a game or a 3d space there you create the environment and the world there's nothing there you're just a thing in an empty box and then you have to sort of create this entire world that's around you and how it functions and how it works you don't have control over what the player is doing or where they're going to run or how it's going to function so it's a little bit different problem space and I was really into cars at the time and I thought oh, it'd be so amazing to like work on like Forza or something and like record cars and like do racing games and so for a long time that was like my sort of like ultimate end goal <laughs> was to work on something yeah. like that so it was sort of always my like sort of goal so we had a, a there was a small game studio in town and so I started talking to one of the audio directors there and be like will you look at my portfolio like what do you think 
And so like, it happened to be that he was taking a position at Gearbox. And so he sort of like, you know, I just kept in contact with him like, hey, have you heard anything? And so he was able to like, let me know when there was like an internship at the one place I wanted to intern at. I was able to get that. And then they had something open up at Gearbox. And so that sort of just sort of like good, I guess, luck yeah. and networking and being persistent and available and like always trying to do my best. Of course, now I look back at my like, you know, I was like 19 yeah. at myself and go like, what the hell was he thinking? Like, that was the stupidest thing I could have ever said. Like, I must have looked like an idiot. Fortunately, <laughs> most of the world barely didn't think that or you sort of look at it with that like, well, you know, here's a person of ex, you know, student capacity or whatever. But what I see is that you know, they're hardworking and that they have these skills that I think will translate well and like they would be a good strong part of the team. And so I got, I got, I worked hard, but you know, I got lucky yeah. <laughs> and a few times and I had some opportunities that I just like took hold of for better, for worse. I mean, my, my internship in Dallas, I was like, literally like, I have the, had an old Nissan T40SX and it was like rusting through the frame rails and I put all my clothes in space bags and I threw it in the back of the car and then I moved and I found someone I actually was dating someone that lived in, it was really weird how it worked out because I happened to be in a long distance relationship with someone that lived in Texas at the time. So they went to Dallas from Houston and like looked at a few places that I found online and like found me a roommate. And I just like moved in and I slept on the floor. <laughs> My mom sent me quilts in the mail. <laughs> and but yeah, but you know, just kind of luck and going for it and like trying things and getting advice from people and like sort of being present, but then also like trying to take their advice. I remember someone told me a few years ago that, you know, they're always willing to like meet with someone and try to give them advice uh, on what they think, you know, you should work on this or focus on that or here's what I see with your portfolio. But then if they see that person a year later and they haven't done anything mm-hmm. <laughs> with that advice, then they're kind of like, well, what, like, what have you really done? Not that like, well, maybe you haven't found a job, but like, but did you do the thing that I say? Did you like try this or try that? Like, have you tried something new? then they're more likely to sort of like champion that person or like help them again. But if there's, well, I want to meet for coffee, like, but you haven't changed anything or you don't have anything going on or you're not doing something to pursue or better yourself or like work with what's available to you, then they're kind of like, so maybe I checked some boxes there. I don't know. Maybe I was just, (laughs) I think I was just in the right place at the right time. You know, it's like a lot of dumb luck in, in life. I think naivety and, (laughs) hard work and <laughs> it could be a combination of all of those things i mean i don't think it's ever just one thing you know it's not yeah but yeah no i you have to keep trying yeah no i get that the whole like, i forgot the original question now it's okay but... it doesn't matter don't ever don't ever feel bad about that uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but i think it's i think it's true though like um i know like for me i had a mentor that i met when i was back in dfw before i moved to austin Mm -hmm. i mean i was at university the first time and one of the major things that i experienced was i i met this guy he was willing to mentor me and so i did a like an internship with him and he gave me like a list of things that he was like tangible these are the things i want you to work on and then you know when you're ready send me stuff or we'll do this or that or whatever right and so as time evolved I learned a lot from him in like that amount of time and then when it came to me moving to Austin he was like you're gonna be fine and he gave me a list of things to constantly be working on and so recently I reached out to him again and we had talked about that that exact thing how like you know however many years later 
you know, I could point back and be like, you told me to do, you know, practice my, my, my editing skills, practice my this or that skills. And so like one of the, like, for example, one of the tasks that he gave me was like, he'd be like, okay, well take a song, like take your favorite song and then cut it up. So spice it so that instead of it being, you know, intro verse chorus, you know, bridge splice it. So that way it's, you know, intro bridge chorus verse or something like that, you know, or just switch it up. So that way you're constantly practicing how to edit, even though you haven't recorded anything, mm. because that's going to be a, a useful skill later. And so to this day, that's something that I still practice, right? I still practice cutting up things and slicing them together. That so that way <laughs> I can practice editing and constantly be in that world. Yeah. So that way, you know, when I'm editing my podcast or I'm getting hired to edit other people's podcasts, there's already a foundation that's in place, right? And so it's stuff like that, right? But, you know, if I hadn't taken that advice, and he'd been like, and we met up for coffee again or whatever. I, I could definitely see how he'd be like, why would I want to keep talking to you? Like, yeah. we don't, I gave you all the things and you did nothing. Like, you know, I I could see why somebody would not yeah. want to continue to, to share. And it seems so obvious because I was like, I would never not do that. But because I was like, you know, you go with good faith. But then there was a volunteer thing I used to do. And the first few times I did it, I really liked it. But then I went a few times and it was like, the kids just didn't really seem interested in anything I had to say. And they were trying to tell me how things were all the time. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> so I guess, you know, there can be people that are, it just depends on their, their state or whatever. They can, can kind of like, I don't know, you know, if someone wants to take whatever it is, like take the time to teach you something, like just let them, <laughs> you know. Like, don't, don't take that for granted. Yeah, but kids don't see it that way. Kids think they know everything. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say all kids. I would say no. definitely some people. I'm I, generalizing the children. Okay. As a, as a, as a substitute teacher. Yeah. Which is not fair because the majority of the students I, I do talk to, like, I'm like, the world's going to be okay. <laughs> like, we're going to be all right. No. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. I don't mean it like that. I mean, no, I, I think more kids than not are always open and willing to learn yeah hands down but there is a complex within teenagers in general where they just think that they know everything and that's just how they think that's how they view the world it's part, part of being a teenager a young adult yeah it's part of being a teenager and being young and so i super i super get when you're like yeah these kids didn't want to listen and they want to tell me all these things like i I, I know. I guess I was surprised by it because it was like, well, this is, I had such good experience the first few years and I felt like it was mutually beneficial. And then I was like, well, why am I, I'm not going to drive out here if you, gotcha. if you don't care what I have to say. Like, <laughs> I don't know. As a, as a, as a substitute teacher slash mentor person. It's only happened that one time. Yeah. I've seen that more times than not. Just, and not because they're trying to be rude. Yeah. You probably see it more than I do. Yeah, it's not because they're trying to be rude. They just genuinely in their little brains are like... They're trying to be independent, you know? Yeah, they're just trying to find that space that they're trying to occupy. I thought I knew everything, too, as much as I took a lot of advice. I Like, when I think back, I was like, oh, yeah, I thought I knew something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I still have no idea. And yeah. I always am like, you know, if I meet someone that's like, well, now I know everything. And I'm like, how did you do that? Or like, I met someone that was like, oh, I did audio, but then I felt like I knew everything about it. So I switched to something else. And I was like, how does that work? Because I feel like I don't think you're doing audio right. I can never know anything. There's so much stuff I always just, yeah, or maybe it was presented to them in a, like a very, in a certain way that was just like cut or dry or very like specific with one thing. 
because I was like, but I always think I have to really grapple with the fact that I can't know everything and I can't know everything at once. And uh, that's actually something that's really beneficial to me is like on the team that I'm on, like we have a team that has like a lot of skill sets. Like we all are able to do like our core job, but then like some people are really, really good with modular synthesis. Like I'm more in the field of like, are you still there? Oh yeah. So one of the things that's, that's cool about my team is that like, you know, we have different strengths. And so I can build off those. Like some people are really great with plugins. Like I, it's like, I can't have my rest of my life and know every plugin and every recording device. And also like everything is changing all the time. So it's like, okay, so maybe I'm not as good as plugins, but I know my teammate is really good with plugins. So like, you know, I can always lean on them if I'm like looking for something for advice on like, what's the new plugin or like, you know, they'll sort of like talk about like in our Slack channel, they'll post like, I found this cool new plugin that does this thing, you know, and then like, if, if I'm like, that's the thing I've been looking for, I can go get it. Or I can just be like, Hey, I can tell them, you know, like I am really looking for some, a plugin that does this. And I know that they love researching that stuff and they know a bunch of companies. And so they might like bring it back to me. It's the same with me with like libraries or recordings. Like someone might come to me and ask me questions about that stuff or like something that they want to record or do or a library they're looking for. Cause I know a little bit more about that, that stuff. So it's like, you, you kind of still have to like, there's so much to know yeah. and it can be overwhelming to think you can know everything and that somehow you are less than or not good enough if you don't know everything, but it's like, it's not possible for you to be an actual human and know everything and you still wouldn't know everything, but that's sort of the beauty of like, you know, having a team or like a community of like other audience people you hang out with. It's like, there's somebody that is really focused on that. And if you just know them, <laughs> Like they can kind of focus on that. You can focus on this and you can come together and you can bring all these amazing skills to the, to the table. And, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to make a big meal and you've got your pastry stuff and your person that's going to do your like main and, uh, you know, someone like your baker, like you can know some about all of these. And like, if you need to sit down and cook a full meal, you can do that. But it's like, but if you love cakes <laughs> and like, you're going to go hard on the cake, yeah. like, that's cool. Like, that's good. Like know how to do, you know, everything to the capacity you should for how long you've been doing it. And like, know a lot about cakes, but like, you know, if you need some like really amazing, like, you know, specialized brochin, yeah. <laughs> like call your baker friend with a special oven that does steam things or whatever, even in the same, like you're both baking something. Right. But like, I do, I do, I do pastries or whatever cakes. This person's really good at bread. Like it's more beneficial that way than for you to like, always be like, ah, I can't make really good crusty German rolls. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, I'm not a chef. And I'm, you know, meanwhile, like someone else is like, I, I burned broccoli yesterday. So <laughs> good luck. Yeah. You, you lose that perspective because, you know, it is competitive and there's so much, but there, and there's so much to know. Can't know everything. Yeah. No, you can't. I think. Anyway, I went off on that tangent now too. <laughs> No, you're fine. But to follow up with that, because I, I got thoughts for you, you're good. To follow up on that, I think that's also like why like in time learning is also important, mm -hmm. you know, like because you can't know everything. So you do have to have moments where you're like, okay, I got to learn something on the fly. I have, but you already, but you, but if you don't have the foundation to, to be able to learn something on the fly, then, then learning on the fly is not going to benefit you. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to do as much work as you can on your own to better yourself to, to have a foundation for when that moment of on the fly learning happens, mm -hmm. you can progress from there. But then also, I think that's also why it's important to like, be aware of the fact that you as as audio people, we constantly have to, or just professionals in general, we should be constantly keeping ourselves educated, you know, 
and however that looks like whether that's you know you read articles about the new board that comes out or mics or you know plugins or software or ai technologies or whatever is going on and however it pertains to you directly or indirectly i think it's important like i didn't realize the extent of what owning and running my own business really meant mm -hmm. like sure in my head i had a concept of what i thought it meant <laughs> oh it's always like that <laughs> oh it's gonna be like this but i didn't think that i needed to do a ton of research into business to understand business because i was like business is just like that's not, that doesn't have anything to do with audio so why do i need to know anything about business but that's one of those indirect skills that i had to learn mm -hmm. that it's not audio related sure but it it pertains to audio in terms of I'm doing audio. My business is audio. How am I going to run my audio business? And so yeah. I think that's important. And I think that sometimes people don't realize that because they want, they claim to know everything because, you know, they work at the same three venues and, yeah. you know, all the equipment's the same at those three venues or whatever. Well, or it's like <laughs> a thing you do to like, I think you actually had someone when I was listening to one of your podcasts say this, but I'm going to sort of repeat it it's uh maybe it's a different podcast listening to you but anyway it was audio podcasts <laughs> and what they said was you know sort of a mistake that sometimes we make especially when we're younger it's like oh, i know audio and this person doesn't know anything about audio right maybe it's even like you see your director or your your designer or whatever that you're working with you sort of use it as a way to like build yourself up but that actually makes you look more like more insecure and not and like what's what i'm looking for like less experienced like, you know, if you're an expert, you're more about collaborating and learning on the fly and figuring out and being like, well, this is what I know about audio and you want to do this thing. So like, let's try it. Because the reality is, it's like, you know, I think you think, you know, when you're growing up, everything is like in a book or something, or like you can learn something. And then at some point you'll know everything and you don't <laughs> like really like when we are professional people, you're sort of always at the edge of like, we are trying to figure this out as we go. <laughs> We're using every resource we have, but like we that sometimes what you're doing hasn't been done before. The problem that's in front of you isn't one that's been done before. So you go and you get, you know, anybody that can help you or like your resources that you have, like I have the manual or not, or maybe you don't have anything. You're like, I'm just going to open the program and I'm going to try thing A and then I'm going to see what I learned from thing A. Thing A worked or didn't work. Okay, so that tells me that maybe this is the problem or that's the problem or maybe thing B will do that. And you just have to, you have to experiment and you have to learn, you have to make mistakes and you have to, you have to fail and you <laughs> try things like you, like you're saying, you're like, oh, I didn't know I need to know more about business until I started it. Well, there you are. You already have it now. So you're at the edge of your, your, this on your, your comfort zone or at the edge of whatever technology you're in. And you're like, all right, well, doing some experimenting. Okay. I need more resources. <laughs> I'll learn about some business stuff. Okay. Now I'll try that. That did or didn't work very well. Or, you know, right. not every problem is the same, like a big problem. There's a, the book Creativity Inc. The author talks a lot about, we make a mistake where we think that because something worked last time, it's going to work again this time. And that's not actually how problem solving really works because it's about like whatever universal factors have happened between now and then that are creating this problem. Like we do know that what happened this time, you know, or last time we have our historical data, but what is happening now might be different. And so we have to look at the problem that way and then try to address the problem that's there. And it's always going to be different. So you're always going to have to learn and try and, do different things as you're going there isn't even if there was a way that always works or that mostly works or there are certain rules like sometimes that rule is not going to work <laughs> you know 
actually my my hairstylist said something quite profound uh recently she said or we were talking i was you know asking her about what it's like you know learning to do hair and all that and she said when she was in school they said that like you can break any rule that you want but you need to know what the rule was for before you decided to break it yes that's a great one i like it <laughs> because going the other way is going to be a lot you're going to have a lot bigger consequences than why you decided to do it in the first place. So there's like a benefit to learning what was there and learning the rule or learning the history of it. But like, if what you need to do right now is break the rule, then break the rule. Just know that like, I'm breaking the rule because it's going to solve X problem or we're doing X thing to push X creative boundary. And that's why we're doing that. And <laughs> X could happen. I like can happen, but yeah. I like that. I like that. That sort of metaphor. Yeah. Gotta talk to people. That's what this podcast is really about. Talk to people. They'll tell you such amazing, cool stuff that make you better. Yes. Or make they, you more talkative. They, they, <laughs> that, that is true. Also, I think talking to people also teaches you lessons that you shouldn't do sometimes. Yeah, no, that's a big one. Like, like yeah. Don't do that. Look, learn from my mistakes. Don't do that. You know, I think, I think a lot of times people take learning from other people's failures for granted. They're like, well, they failed because they failed. And it's like, yeah, but why did they fail? Yeah. And how can they learn from it? I think recently I, I started this book called Proximity Principle. I want to, that's the, uh, I want to remember that's what the name of it is called. I listen to audiobooks, so I don't always remember the oh, titles of books. And so I'm always like, which book is it called? I believe it's called The Proximity Principle. And in it, he talks about, the author talks about Steve Jobs learning from somebody else who had a really successful company and how it failed and how he ended up getting this other CEO person fail, failed. The, the company that he was uh, CEO of or whatever he ended up getting pushed out of it and he could never get back into where he was after he got out being pushed out of the company that went on to be successful without him. And so when the same thing happened to Steve Jobs from with Apple and he got pushed out of Apple and ended up getting fired at one point, he learned from that other guy's failure about why he could never get back into the business of or working in any sort of tech way that was meaningful again, and why he couldn't make that happen for himself. And so Steve Jobs learned from that. And so I think that there's a lot of times people don't take those lessons to heart as well. Like those are like learning, studying other people's failures can show you a way potentially to, to be successful in your own failures, but also within your own success. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sorry. That was kind of, be a little more helpful. No, it makes sense and I like it. And actually for for people that tend to be the overachiever or even I think it's you know just it can be sort of a societal thing, right? And you know, we're pushed to like like you have to like get the best grades when you're you know student so that you can get into the school and like you have to everything figured out when you're like twelve and then you have to get straight A's and like be in every activity and do everything to do anything. And somewhere along the way you sort of develop this bad habit of like okay, well, if I can't do it to 100%, mm -hmm. then don't do it. <laughs> uh, because like, you sort of start to maximize the things that you're really good at. Well, you're like, well, I'm really good at, well, I, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm really good at, I don't want to do the cooking illustration again. But 
I don't, I'm going to just do it again. <laughs> I'm really good at making cakes. So I'm never going to, I'm never going to even try to learn how to make a really great turkey or a great vegan casserole. Because like, I know that I'm like, not really comfortable in that space. But like, uh, my mom was a baker and I've been baking cakes my whole life and I have a natural talent for it. So I'll just always do that because I know I can always do it 100%. But like, is that really benefiting you? Or it's like, you don't know what you don't know until it's too too late, sort of. So it's like, you have to just be willing to like, try things and, and fail. And that's not an opportunity that I think we're like conditioned to think that like society will afford you. And sometimes like failures have real consequences, right? Like you take a risk, it doesn't pan out. Well, it's not going to pan out. So like, there might be real consequences. But like, that space to fail is really important because it goes back to that whole thing we were just talking about. It's like, that's where you're going to learn everything is right at the edge of your comfort zone where you're doing something that's like never been done before. You're going to have to fail and mess up. And then you're going to have to say like, I did this and it didn't work yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't good. And I really appreciate, especially like, even in like leadership, you know, like I'd be like in a, you know, all company meeting and someone say like, we did blah. And I thought that it would be this way and that way. And that's why I did it. And this is the way it actually worked out. And I think that that was a failure. And I'm like, wow, that is a lot to stand in front of all these people and say that like, you think that X system didn't work out or X tool didn't work out because of this. But that's like, that's the important part that that's the important part, right? That's the part where it's like, right. this didn't work out. <laughs> so we're going to do this different and hopefully it'll be better. And most of the time it is, it's, it's almost bad. Sometimes when you get a, when you get a really good review on, on something, but like nobody has any feedback that's like what was negative or, or even just what was specific about what was good. You know, it's like, oh yeah, cake was great. Like, well, what was really good about it though? Like, was it the texture or the flavor or or if you didn't like it, why? You're like, oh, well, I don't like lemon and it's a lemon flavored cake. Be like, I can work with that. Like, give me something I can work with. Yeah. So now I'm going off on a again too. I have forgotten all of my skills about being concise and, and no, like you're defining good. You're points good. and like having an opening and closing. They're gone. Good job. Like, I don't know. I'm so you're fine. <laughs> oh, it's okay. So, okay. So to relate this back to audio then, I guess like what was your biggest failure and what lesson did you learn from it oh everyone hates this question (laughs) i know i'll answer it too if it makes you feel better i never fail so i just sat on this thing about yeah learning to fail i don't know i don't sometimes like you know you you make a sound or something and it just sounds stupid or it doesn't work and actually we have this thing right now uh work where we every week we show each other our unfinished work, which is nerve wracking, especially in the beginning, because even among people that you trust, it's like, I don't want to show you this, you know, and they'll give you feedback. Like, you know, this doesn't sound, you know, maybe this, like this frequency band is like really messed up or this texture is wrong, or this is a complete wrong direction. So it's like, those are sort of, it's weird to call those failures, (laughs) but it's sort of the small, like, failures or course corrections that are like oh okay well now I see what everyone else has seen or like they'll call something out like someone would be like dang all of this sounds terrible <laughs> what's going on and I'm like it sounds fine over here and then I realized oh well the power went out this morning I didn't notice and my subwoofer is fried <laughs> of course everything sounds awful <laughs> wow. you know and I go and get like another one out of backup and be like everything sounds terrible yeah but I think you know I don't know if you've ever been like you know at a concert and all the power goes out or something <laughs> and you're just like Yes, I've I've definitely had that moment. You're like, I guess you would say this is a failure, but it's also sort of like, this is what happened. And like, now I just need to go deal with it. Yeah, I try not to think of them, I guess, as much as I'm saying you need to fail. It's not necessarily like, we need to have a big, 
life failure. It's like it's just a little little failures along the way, and then just like be comfortable with the fact that that's uncomfortable. Or I guess a, a, another good example is you know, on a, there's a project I was working on. I was working on a system, and it was just something I wasn't familiar with yet. And like over time, like I was just really struggling and with the the system and designing it, and it ended up like not being that good. <laughs> And eventually I had to like give it over to some, like scrap it and like give it over to someone else who was working on something similar. Because as time went on, like we sort of started developing the same system from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and theirs was like, theirs was just way better and they were more experienced. And it was really tough because I was really proud of all the work I had put into it over the course of like a year trying to get this thing working and struggling against this this tool that I was really unfamiliar with and was just giving me all kinds of problems. <laughs> And it was really tough, but you know, that, that's sort of part of it because actually having done that though, I know so much more now about, about that tool and that system. And when I need to work in stuff, there's a lot more learning. And the person that ended up like taking over, like, like, you know, we'd ended up going with their system instead, cause they ended up sort of doing the similar thing. Like I've learned a lot, you know, from them and their system and having taken over it. So I do remember being really upset that I came home. I was crying. I was like, my system was terrible. We decided to like get rid of it. And I agree, but I feel so bad about it. And my, my boyfriend is a software engineer and he's like, he's like, I know it sucks. It, ha- it happens all the time. It, ha- it happened to me recently. I worked on a system for a year. It was okay. I was really excited about it, but like I had a bunch of problems along the way. And about the time I thought that maybe I was getting it working, like a, a, another like third party released something that we could just license that was way better. And I had to be like, we need to scrap what I worked on and license this because it's, it's way better and it's supported and what I'm doing isn't good and it's frustrating. And, but sometimes that's part of it, you know, especially in long, longer form projects like game development, software development, you're sometimes you're working on a system for a while and you're like, this is terrible. Or you realize that like, it doesn't actually solve the problem or like things about the project you're working on the game you're working on. For example, like things that happened, we made some pivots. Some, someone was approaching one problem from one angle. I was approaching from another angle. By the time, time had gone by and we're digging in we realized we're sort of coalescing into the same space and you know theirs was just made more sense it was it was a sort of a business decision but but yeah that was tough but I am a lot better for it so (laughs) it's even embarrassing for me like because I always want to talk about you know positive achievements to sit there and be like I made something that wasn't that good but everybody I know that's good, that's what they do. They make a bunch of stuff that's sometimes not good. You know, I'll see someone check something. I'm like, why did you do this to wreck everything? And they're like, oh, yeah, really sorry. I don't consequence. But that's part of it, right? They, they had to like, you got to try some stuff out and see how it works and try to fix it. Hopefully fix it all before it gets to the <laughs> the end user, right? Yeah, for sure. Game development is, is just a lot of like making systems and breaking them and, and <laughs> trying to fix stuff. There is like the content side of it, but it's not like, okay, on day one, I'm going to make a list of every level in the game and every sound that I need and just go make the sound. But there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into it in terms of systems and testing and getting everything running and getting all those little marionette pieces moving around in their box. And it's coming from all angles. You've got 400 people <laughs> all doing it at the same time. Yeah. So we're trying to get it together and it's a lot of breaking and fixing and, and sort of molding it. And hopefully at the end, you've released something that's, that's good for the humans. <laughs> good for them don't like it <laughs> and then if you don't like then they will let you know and then that's also hard because sometimes you work for three years on something right and it's not it, it has problems at launch or it's not what people wanted or what's popular changes yeah you know that can happen like you know 
like I've worked on titles where it's like, oh, like we were thought this was going to be good. And if it had released X number of months earlier, it might have been better. But it's releasing now and there's some problems. So like we might have to like pivot or make decisions about that. But, you know, you're, at the end of the day, I'm making a story for people to enjoy. And if they don't enjoy it, then you're like, well, <laughs> what's the point of this? <laughs> Got to put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah yeah well sometimes they don't or you know sometimes sometimes you release a product and it has problems and then you know we as developers have to try to fix that stuff with patches or or whatever so yeah yeah that's i think that's a real life lesson that a lot of people have to to learn i know i had to learn it and it's hard and it hurts your heart a little bit oh i have to learn it every time it's not i think it's never less painful <laughs> no no i just think you learned it <laughs> it's a train emotional it's it, outside i'm feeling like, okay this is fine i understand but inside i'm like ah! <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. but no i guess like okay but i actually i remember something that you had said and it made me want to ask this question instead so you we were talking about good of failure and then the positive things that have happened so with all of that then how do you continue in growing in your career so that way you don't end up in a stagnant place mm, that's a good question and that's something i i always worry about is like you know becoming stagnant or like becoming like a dinosaur or something like that and it can be easy you know for me like you know it's sometimes moving between projects or just like like sort of like looking at what other people are doing or what other people are working on and being really excited about that and being like, okay, I want to be that level or sort of like identifying just one thing that I really feel like I could be a little stronger on and then sort of focus on, on that. It's just sort of being excited or having that new problem solving kit or, you know, forever there's something there like, I wish I could do this. <laughs> I wish I could, yeah. you know, like, you know, forever it's like, I wish I could noise clean this or like debird this thing. It's just got this thing in the way and now I have all these great noise cleaning plugins that do do those things. So if you know, I just be like, I wish I had a, a software that just did this for me. And then someone will be like, there's a software that does this. And you're like, oh, I've got to learn that. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I think it's creative problem solving and also just like being cognizant of it and trying to do something different. Someone once told me that for them, they just always, they always do the same thing different every time, like in a different software. That's not always practical depending on what you are but like or what you're doing but they run like web development so if it's something small they're like well I last time I did it in this software so this time I'll just do it in this one it's something they can learn fast enough that it doesn't have like a big consequence on time and their our stability or something so then they just try that and then that I was like that's pretty tough to keep up with but if you're disciplined enough about it but you could do it with like like I'm going to use a different reverb this time. That seems like a small thing. Or it's like, uh, this time I'm going to start from an initialized patch or go back to the beginning. Like, what is this? What does this thing really do? <laughs> like, let's really break it down. But it feels like there's so much buzz on the internet too. Like so many cool videos and things that people do and great like sound designers from like, you know, huge movies and amazing field recorders, like putting articles out all the time. You just read one or two of those and and be like, all right, I gotta learn that. Like, that, this is what I need to like practice. I need to, I need to try this and see how it goes. So. Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, where, like, what do you read in terms of resources? Like, in terms of like, who, like, or do you like follow any YouTubers who talk about sound design or bloggers or podcasts? So for me, it's like quite 
quite random i think it's like i'll start like going down a hole i don't like i don't usually watch all one person's videos or not it's more more it usually starts with, like i'm gonna learn this software and then i look for a video on it but there's some i guess something that comes to mind like nathan smith posts a ton of like field recording stuff he documents everything that he records so it's really valuable to see that but man like there's also like i love the tone benders podcast that's a great sound designers podcast and then also like i'm in like a field recording slack and so you'll see things that people are posting or commenting about in there so i try to read that but it's like a lot (laughs) to take in still because it's just like a lot happening all the time I've got my Instagram feed pretty good now too, where I can actually just kind of scroll and see some neat things that people are doing. And then actually like, yeah, my work is like a big sort of community because we've got enough designers where I sort of posting. So some of those resources are good. Yeah. I wish I could say like, this is the one, but I am, man, I am just kind of scattered when it comes to that stuff. I'll use, but I guess also so a strength, like I'll use anything, which is probably why I'm great at crafting. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and it was like, yeah, like you see this, like I literally have the the half of furniture in my house I found on the side of the road in pieces <laughs> and I was like I could fix that and paint it and like it goes with like the stuff I have it looks fine it really looks like I got it at like you know an, an art store or something or like at a at like a craft store or something or they have you know when you walk in they always have this like furniture in the front or whatever that's kind of like boho or whatever it's like I always see like what it could be and that's one of the things I like about you know doing sound design because it's you know it's not about what it is it's about what it sounds like it's like you hear a sound or a texture and you think about it different you're like that's not a dishwasher that's a spaceship (laughs) that's what that is or like if you slowed it down or sped it up or you looked at it in the spectrogram like what what would you find like you know or cleaned out like sections and that can also be to my detriment because like I will clean a sound like forever (laughs) And it really would be better to just like let it go because it takes so much time to do that sometimes. But I forgot where we were going with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I love trash and I love cleaning noisy sounds and I love cobbling things together. <laughs> love seeing <laughs> what I think, yeah, it's there. But like yeah. like I said, everybody's different. So like I look at things a little different than someone else on my team that's like very focused and is a very start at the beginning, see the vision all the way through type of person where I'm more like, collecting ideas and kind of putting them in a little pile and like organizing them and sort of seeing what it could be and I I can see sort of that in that vision so it's like it's actually a little bit of problems I'll walk around my house and be like in my head I see this wall with this beautiful wallpaper on it and I see it like that forever but then I don't get to it and I don't get to it and then finally like you know I get to it and so I'm like this is amazing I was like no I kept seeing it in my head it was great <laughs> But, you know, you can also be like, well, sometimes things just are what they are. You know, you only need to try so hard to change it into the thing you need. Like time is a finite resource. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so, you just have to move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. So then like, okay, maybe I missed this. And maybe I just need clarification. But for you do sound design for video games. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then do you do your own film recordings for the video games as well? Like, mm-hmm. is that why you're out using glass domes and all the microphones and out here in the streets? All these microphones? Well, the why, the why is a little bit of a, a, a yes and, or like yes, a both and. and. Yeah. yeah. It's partly because I love recording and I love, 
I just love listening to things and especially like recording ambiences or like what's around me. There's just so many, we don't really take a lot of time to just sit totally still because you can't move. Your clothes make sound, everything makes sound totally still and just listen for like three to five minutes is like a pretty good window for most ambient things for me. And just like, just listen and just watch what's there and sit totally still and, and just like, like be absorbed in that environment for a minute. And it's like really meditative. And it sort of also like helps me like, you know, like really understand and remember a place and have like a strong memory of it. So like when I'm trying to recreate an experience later, I remember like, this is kind of what that would feel like. It's easier for me to put myself in that place. And also I started making a lot of recordings just with handheld recorders when I was like traveling because I've been to 28 countries now and I was set to go to all 50 states right before COVID hit. <laughs> I was going to finish all 50. So part of it is like, you know, when I make a recording of something, I have these like amazingly visceral memories of being there and being in that place. So it's partly that experience of it is just loving sound and like, you know, wanting to like record it and capture it and document it in that way. But also like, you know, having unique sounds to work with because there are so many great libraries out there. We have a lot of options now with indie libraries and big ones and there's just tons of stuff. But there's, you know, it's good, especially in a video game, to have something that's really unique. Or, you know, when you go record it, you kind of have this mental catalog of like, I recorded this cool thing that I think will work or I need something. Like I could probably use some different techniques to like record something bespoke that will be a good, like that would be good source material, even if it's not like a verbatim sort of recording of the actual thing because you know in a game you're gonna you're gonna hear these sounds over and 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 over again I mean it's something like a footstep you know it's like think about how many times like you're gonna hear a little footfall uh, mouse click you know you're if it's always exactly the same one or two sounds you're gonna notice so like the more of them you have and then also like the more unique they are it just kind of like gives you a bigger toolkit of like things that you can build from kind of a bigger sewing craft bag <laughs> or a bigger you know grocery store <laughs> to make your your meals from so so yeah so sometimes you know I'll record something but most uh that's like specific for like for a game or if like we need something I forgot I was going with that I'm just gonna butt and butt and and uh <laughs> I, I so, yeah. asked you about field recording and did you yeah. need it for your job or was it just something that you did for the fun of? it's both yeah it's both it, it's both and also like I had some like for a long time I was really big into the car scene and you know I loved cars and I was working on the speeders and I was like oh, it'd be cool if I could like record some of my friends cars because I love that that sound or whatever just it's an interesting thing that I have access to so, you know, I started like sticking microphones and stuff or just walking around. People are like, hey, can I put microphones in your car? And I had had to get pretty good at like being able to do it really quickly and also like being able to just like let the microphone go because sometimes I'd be sitting in there with them, but sometimes they were doing like ride alongs or like, you know, they're like riding with someone who's like testing something out mechanic. And so like, I, it was like, all right, I'm just going to put this in here. And like, I'm not in here watching levels. It's not ideal, but and sometimes I could do that. Like we could, I could sit down with a friend and we could really mic the car up with like a lot of mics everywhere. And then I have this big session of like all these mics and also they're loud, <laughs> very yeah. loud. I had to get a lot of inline pads because like you'd put, turn on the recorder and it would already be like too loud. It's like turned all the way off, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but man. they were like so loud. Yeah. And a lot of the, the cars I was recording are like drift cars. So they're completely gutted inside. So like that makes it easy because they you know, most of the time don't care if you like put tape all over stuff and like, you know, you have access to the mixture of, you know, different sounds are more exposed than it would be in a car with like an interior and a, 
intact firewall and stuff like that. And they have roll bars conveniently for you to like tape things onto. So like, it's just sort of partly that like, ah, oh, that opportunity and wanting to be able to have that. And then also like, it's sort of the thing is like, well, I like learning how to do it. So I tried one thing that was just like, well, I have like this mic and this recorder and they're wrong for this job, but let's try it. <laughs> let's just see how it goes. And I do one or two things. And then I was able to like get some feedback and like with processing, I could usually maybe use something because I wasn't making like a simulator, right? With these types of sounds, I was making um, like a speeder for a game. So I'd want to process that. Or like I found that the interior of, of cars, especially like, you know, loud like, you know, cars are like racing and they're really like rubbing the engine hard that, that the motors, you know, they make like more ticking sounds. It's not, you know, when we hear the car from inside or outside, you're getting a combination of like the exhaust and the car moving through space and the, the engine bay, but the engine bay is like very mechanical sounding. So it got a lot of great machine sounds and I was able, been able to use those as the basis of machine sounds for a lot of stuff over the years. So, yeah, so it's a little bit like, there's a lot of different ways to approach sound design. And I tried one thing and I really, and I had like some cool opportunities and I liked that. So I just kind of kept doing it, kept doing it sort of like, you know, it's like taking photography, your photography, you know, it's like I take a photo of one thing. And I like that. So I'm just kind of take pictures of everything or a lot of one thing. And it happened to like, you know, overlap and be really useful. So it's also interesting because it's not really a one-to-one relationship. Like sometimes I'll use something verbatim, but almost never is it, does it work that way? <laughs> it's, it's generally like, yeah, it's generally like, you know, you need to manipulate it some way to fit with the world that you're trying to create. And it's just a source. And then you expand on it or build it. So, Wait, yeah. so I'm going to backtrack and then we're going to come back to this. Okay. I just dumped so, a lot of information on you. Okay, so. <laughs> and I was thinking about more things to dump on you. So <laughs> No, it's fine. This is great. Okay, so what's the one state that you have left to visit? Oh, the one state I have left to No, I have more. I have more than one. I was at like 35, but most of the states I need to visit are on the Northeast coast. So I was basically going to like hit them kind of all at once. And I need to hit Georgia and Hawaii and Utah. Gotcha. gotcha. So okay, okay. otherwise I've been to, I've been to almost all of them. Okay. So I went to Alaska and then everything shut down. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Okay. So then I guess my second question was, what was your favorite thing that you've recorded individually? Like, just for the fun of it. Like, what was your favorite thing that you got to record? Oh, just because I, I'm going to take a recording and record this thing. Because you were uh, like, sounds amazing. I want to do this. Yeah, why not? I have a hard time picking favorites. <laughs> My favorite thing changes, like, all of the time. Each one is, you know, What's your favorite thing right now? What's the first thing that came to mind when I asked you? Um, well, we were just talking about cars. So I was like, was there a car that I, I liked or something? But let's see. I don't know. I actually really like recording nature sounds or like you know when I'm traveling just having handheld recorders because I like listening back to those later I did a workshop a field recording workshop in Scotland a few years ago that was amazing and I recorded an amazing dawn chorus and I like left the recorder out um, really early in the morning several times and I like got the microphone set up in this new technique that I had learned and it just sounds so good <laughs> it really really sounds good and so that, that one was good because I feel like I was getting pretty good through trial and error and experimenting. And that's actually an area where it's like, it's like, oh, I just failed a lot. I like, really, it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try and then fail and try and then fail and see how it goes and sort of build on that, that experience. And that's sort of at the point where I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm getting okay at this. Like I, I feel pretty good 
I'm getting to like stuff really good. But then after that workshop, it really like shored up a lot of the questions in my mind. And that's when I felt like I started to get a lot better. Not that I'm like a primo expert or something, but that's when I was like, yeah, I, I can feel the recording. I'm good at it. And I, you know, that, that recording is good. And also like, you know, I remember being there and I remember like being there with the other people learning and it's like Chris, Chris Watson and Jez Riley French were running it. Jess Riley French is like a really amazing sound artist. So I was yeah, during that workshop is when I learned to also think about, you know, I always think about like sound in, in terms of like the media, right? Because I came to it from that angle. I came from it from like, I'm going to make sounds for a media purpose, right? When we are like storytellers and we want to tell the story on stage to this technical route. But, you know, there is an avenue of sound that is just for artistic purpose, just, just to like ask artistic questions or to be in that artistic moment or to like catalog the change of sounds over time. And there's a lot of people in that workshop that were doing like, you know, experimental music and looking at recording from that way <laughs> so and a lot of that stuff has come to be like uh also really useful like there's a technique of like bowing fences or bowing anything with like a cello bow and like recording it really close so, or like throwing hydrophones you know in water and doing weird things in the water and just listening to the environment uh, and then chris watson has done like a massive amount of recordings for like the bbc over the last god forever he's he's been doing it forever so it was like you're my recording hero and it was so great to be able to like hear these people present and ask questions and also see their attitude is very much like i don't know give it a try or like actually i'm doing this wrong and i know i am but i like the way it sounds and i've been doing it this way forever because I, I think it sounds more interesting for what I'm, I'm doing this way but then also being with all those people that were just looking at sound in a different way that I was because only there was two people there at that workshop that were doing post. And then um, I think I was the only person there at the beginning is everybody else was coming out either from an acoustic ecology perspective um, or from like a sound art perspective or like an education perspective. So that really sort of like, it kind of shifted and also gave me permission to like, it's okay to like not be cool <laughs> or something like, I'm cool video game making person like that is part of what I do and that's important but also like you know the art of sound and the art of listening that's also important and like they're both important to this since the storytelling experience I do as a sound designer and in the video game work but also just to like how I feel as a sound like artist and a person who does sound and yeah and also as you start going out recording you start putting things in rx you start to ask all these questions about like you know there's a lot of sound we we don't hear and just because we don't hear it doesn't mean it's not there and that we don't affect anything in our environment like there are mice and bats and all this cool stuff that happens ultrasonically when you're doing ultrasonic recording but there's stuff that's happening like you know like you can hear your wi-fi routers like on your recordings or like even like your rfid for like your badge like all that stuff makes noise and other animals can hear that so we have that effect on the environment and it's noisy and we're noisy and we're noisy all around so sort of yeah exploring that as well so the field recording like it takes me in two directions right it takes me into the direct route for this the, what i'm doing when we're creating a game to create an amazing experience for the player and then it takes me into the route of like just me personally and what i love about field recording what i've learned and how it's really taught me to look at the environment and our effect on the environment and the effect of sound on people and animals and what's actually there, like to have to really look at it and to just consider that and be with that and not try to like ignore it. <laughs> so 
found as a part of the environment we don't we just sort of take for granted I think sometimes we don't really yeah we don't really think about it as an important part of art like ecology anyway (laughs) I feel like that kind of reminds me of a conversation that I had once with somebody and we were talking about how noisy the city is And, and not just the city but the city was the example that we were using at the time and the thing that we were talking about was I had just came back from like an appointment to, for getting custom earplugs. And I w- was thinking about, the lady had, had mentioned to me, she's like, you have slight hearing loss in one of your ears. And I'm doing slight, like it's not in yeah. any way. Like, oh, that most noticeable. of us do. I'm like, I don't want to go in because I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So it's so scary when they tell you you have hearing loss because you're like, oh my God, I'm damaged. But then it's like, calm down nobody's really using that range anyways like most of the time that gets phased out or whatever but it's just the fact that it's it's missing in one of my ears and so she was like usually that happens if you're around sounds louder than and she said some decibel level that I currently don't remember yeah and so let's say it's 85 look I don't know look she mentioned they say you're safe to listen to sounds at 85 decibels for up to eight hours a day and if it's louder than that, if your ears have a break, they'll heal. But if it's like continued noise over that, then it will start to damage them. Yeah. yeah. Below 80 is, is usually fine all of the time. Yeah. I don't remember because I was not part of my <laughs> point of my story. The point of my story. Anyway, though. sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, I think, uh, okay. Yes, I agree with the 85 thing that it's usually 85 for yeah. eight hours. That whole she general had some other doctor metric. <laughs> but, well, I mean, I'm sure it's probably what she said and yeah. whatever, but I just I didn't want to say a number and then that's not what she told me because you know I don't want to put that. I'll be a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the point is, is that let us know in the comments. <laughs> no, but I think I think you're right about the 85 thing, but my. But the thing is, is that she was talking, we were talking about it and I was like, and she's like, and I was like, okay, well, let's talk about like, we were talking about like examples of things that are louder than like 85 decibels. And let me tell you, 85 decibels is not very loud (laughs) and it's, it's rather quiet actually. And so I feel like it is loud, but it's surprising. It's surprising the things that are that loud, I guess, maybe. It's maybe like, I, like if you roll the I, windows down in your car on the highway like that's loud enough to cause hearing damage it you is know? and yeah and, and so that's, that's kind so of surprising yeah yes so that was the point was that like okay so like for me I rode the bus a lot I I was always walking down the street right and just walking mm-hmm. down the street like the amount of noise is usually around 85 or higher just yeah, in general cars passing by you and then being on the bus itself can be even louder because you have the sound of the engine you have the sounds of the the world around you and all this sort of stuff because they're not super well insulated or anything you know like it's a bus they're not exactly here for your comfort you know (laughs) and so it's 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 rather loud on the bus and so um like doing things like that she was like probably contributed to some of your hearing loss and I remember being like so I'm supposed to do walk around with earplugs in my ears all the time she's like well I mean if you're gonna do public transit you might want to but yeah it seems insane but it's it's actually true you know or just headphones like this without music on yeah (laughs) and I was was telling a friend that I was like I got some noise canceling headphones that I just walk around with with 
the noise canceling on because the world around me, because everything is just so loud. And so, like, if you're on the bus and trying to listen to music, yeah, you're like, how am I supposed to hear the music that's playing unless you turn it up really loud because you have to drown out the bus noise, you know? And right. if the bus noise is already at, like, let's say, you know, 95, 100 dBs, and you're yeah. trying to drown that out, then you have to be over that, which means right. that how long you're listening to that at that volume is much it's going to be longer than you should be listening to it you know and it's just mm-hmm. it was crazy exactly. to me but i i can totally see how going to that conference and having those kind of conversations and stuff like that could switch your mindset on sound and perception. yeah it's just kind of a perception and how you think about it but you know and that has a physical effect on us as humans as well being exposed to like all of that noise in our like psychology and <laughs> I don't want to go too far down that road because I'm not like oh, an expert, right. but kinda, I think there's I, like data that like even says, you know, like it, that, you know, it could have, it definitely increases stress, but like there's weird things about your hearing that like I've read studies or like um, articles that said, well, there are studies that say that like, if it's really loud, you want more salty food or something like it affects your appetite. It affects your sense of direction. Like your hearing is tied into like parts of your brain that have to do with sort of more than just like I heard a sound where where is it like balance is all in there and then you know hearing is a learned behavior in a lot of ways like there are the mechanics of your ear but like your brain does a lot of the translating and whatever your brain decides (laughs) translates into some amalgamation of hormones that makes you do something feel something positive negative nothing hungry hungry for salty food hungry for less salty food yeah so it's interesting (laughs) <laughs> that is very interesting so i always i i think that that's real especially i know for me i have a friend who when she talks about sound she talks about like how she sees it in colors or whatever that's you know awesome. like there's so many different like things like that that people have that you know they just like trying to figure out your mind and how it works it's just a thing yeah sorry i got temporarily distracted because there's this person who lives on the street from me who has like the base souped up car, you know what I mean? Drive oh. down the street and it's like, yeah, I think it's awesome because I have like this big ass subwoofer and every once in a while I'm like, well, I hope I'm not like not bothering the neighbors because I'll be like playing like, you know, a bunch of like sounds with like bass in them and I'm like exporting them. So it's like, all right, I have to export like 20 of these explosion sounds with LFEs in them. And it's like, dog, dog. And my cool pastor's gonna be like, hey, is it okay? Or like one time I was editing kind of late at night and he was like, I don't want to edit. I don't know if it's going to like, if the neighbors will be able to hear it. And then I'll hear a car drive by and it's like, Duh. yeah, you're like, never mind. It's fine. We're I did fine. ask the neighbor, I'm like, can you hear, did you hear me editing last night? Is that, is that coming like through the, the house? And they're like, I didn't hear anything. It's fine. So I was like, all right. Well, like, talking about. Is clear. <laughs> I was actually wondering, you, you said that your team at the video game place, mm-hmm. there's like, a handful of you guys or whatever mm-hmm. i don't know how many handful is but i think handful is what like five or more isn't that what they say a handful is? i didn't know there was a an actual amount i mean i guess it depends on the size of your hand <laughs> i think there's supposed to be like a num- numerical amount that's attached to it but whatever oh, okay. wow. i've been doing it, it wrong my whole life <laughs> well i mean it's kind of like a couple and then a few and then several versus many and then you have a handful and so then they're like Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> are so you? I was, just getting, I was getting overwhelmed. There. I was like, oh no, I've been using words wrong all this time. Am I 
Are you? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. I'm weird. So I was wondering, though, are you like the only minority in your bunch? Oh, I am. So we have two ladies on the team. I'm definitely not, not the only like minority in terms of like people that are not white Anglo-Saxon men. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if that's what we're talking talking about. So well, yeah, um, my I, not a white male from most of the time i'm the only woman on on the team right now we've got we've got two ladies and sometimes we had three and the vo department tends to be mostly ladies and i don't know if that's because the way that we structured is a lot of like vo producers and so we have more women that come through the production crowd that get into audio and vo that way so i've heard that the number is somewhere around five percent and i'd say we're sort of running that that said my company is really pushing to try to like expand our diversity and get more people in but I know like with audio like we're just we're really behind <laughs> like even more than other people but we have we have people so we're spread across two two countries US and Canada we have people that are we have people that are it feels weird to talk about my coworkers this way because I never think of them this way <laughs> yeah we have people that are that are Latin Asian we have people that speak uh, multiple languages with people whose native languages are or both French and English is actually really common because we have a Canadian studio. And so that's, that's pretty common. And then people that like the first language is Spanish, but we definitely are underrepresented in terms of, in terms of the black community. I feel like I have met one, like two black sound designers, one that I work with at EA and one that I know used to also work. So we're really underrepresented there. So yeah, we, we try to have a diverse group and we sort of already just had kind of a group of like the sisters here based on like, you know, that city like what's more common but yeah most of the time I say I'm the only lady but I kind of I kind of (laughs) forget for me I've been I've been fortunate that the teams that I have worked with have always treated me with respect and I feel like if they like me or don't like me it's because something about me they don't or don't like and not for something like that I have had instances where I felt like somebody might not might be judging me a little bit differently subconsciously but I mean, overall, it's been all right for me. I know it's not been that way for everyone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Sure. So that's just my experience. But also, like, it's one of the things I love about the company that I work for. They really are pushing that, like, for us to, like, be more inclusive and more thoughtful and learn about unconscious bias and learn about those things and be aware of them and also to try to improve, like, our hiring. But that's another reason that, like, I actually... I started talking to like kids and stuff because I was like, I need, we need more people. <laughs> and we, I need more people from more different neighborhoods. I need people from everywhere, right? Like we need, we need everybody's like opinion and we need everybody's expertise and everybody's life story. So I've been trying like to educate more people and bring more people in from different groups. And um, we actually have a bunch of employee resource groups that, that I like, I work with some of them to see what we can do. <laughs> There's not so much I can do. I'm stumbling around in circles here. <laughs> I've been no, you're fine. But yeah, I don't know if that's what you wanted to get into. Or no, I I do I, talk to girls, and I have a slide uh, when I talk to this girl summer camp because at one time the team had like towards the end of a project with outsourcers, and so we were up to like thirty people, and I was the only girl on the team, and I never really thought about it until someone said like we only represent like five percent. I was like, it can't be that low, like. We have, we, I feel like we have lots of women working at our studio. And then I went around and I counted the number of women <laughs> that were in the studio. I was like, oh God, it's only like 15 people. <laughs> it was a lot lower than, than I expect than I expected. So it's definitely, uh, 
it's it's something that's there but I also it's like that's one of the reasons I try to talk to students and especially try to talk to girls because I want them to be interested in like sound and sound you know art is like a technical medium it's like we're always like oh art is like drawing or like classical music and like there are people that do those things like as a job and you can do that but like you know if you have someone that's interested in music or art like the world is full of artists graphic artists and technical artists and people that run shows and people that like make games and people that do all these different jobs like there's so many different ways to contribute and i feel like that exposure is super important and it's just missing from a lot of the from a lot of our communities so i talk to girls and i'll show them that slide but then i say like you know I, examples of other women that are doing cool things in the industry and also like they should definitely not let them stop it stop them like you know everybody I feel like is treating me with respect and the people that maybe didn't like I don't care <laughs> because I've had a really solid career that like has been super successful and really fun and I'm very privileged to do the work I'm so passionate about and so like I want I want other like you know young women or like you know other like minority groups I want them to feel that empowerment like that they have permission to do this if they want to and to try it and they also have permission to not like it <laughs> and do something else but like you know you know, there are ways to take, you know, your passion and make there are and contribute in a different way. You just need to, you know, think about it a little bit differently. Like there are these roles in life, you know, and I, I think it's interesting too. Like one thing I've been trying to um, like figure out a little, like I was talking with one of our audio directors who's African-American and like, he's part of the employee resource group. And I was like, you know, I feel like I went to school with a lot of black people, but I don't work with any and I thought that was really weird because it's like they're here they have a technical capacity but I think they always go that music route I was like do you think there's something we could do to like maybe work with some of the schools to just let people know like you can do this if you want to like pursue music if that's what you want but like I think it's that thing where like that teacher just handed me a list and was like you could do this I was yeah. so aloof that like I literally didn't know that like you can have this awesome career doing all the school stuff and so that's one area that I'm like hoping I could like maybe work with more to like, cause it's like, well, obviously desire is there. You've already got students in college at a college level doing this, like, you know, presenting that like that is an option. So I hope that it will change over time. But if I, if I can <laughs> do anything to like, you know, yeah, make the game community look like the community that like we have, like, I feel like it's a pretty diverse country that we have here. And like the game, like, when you look at the demographics of who plays games, it's pretty, it's pretty diverse. So it's like, why aren't the people who are making the games like similar to the people that are play, playing them? Like we need to diversify. We need more like people to make those same stories or to like make games and tell stories <laughs> the way they, they should be told. So I feel like I'm dancing around and not using the cool words <laughs> that you're supposed there to use are, when you talk about are, like social justice. And I don't no. want someone to like come for me and be like, no. Danny is not educated about these issues. Oh, that's not the point. <laughs> but Look, I will say it, that like, we definitely are thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. And I, I just want it to be, I want everybody to be able to do what they love. And I want everybody's passionate about something, you know, to, like if you're passionate about it, then like, I want to work with you. So right. yeah, no, do I, don't, I don't think that's, I mean, for me, that's not how I took it or how I ever take it. I think that like, <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's very unnecessary, maybe, for people to constantly push vocabulary on people. I think yeah. sometimes you you can describe something 
and have it mean the same thing without using some fancy word that we've invented. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is I want to make sure I'm showing that like a, a, it's a place of respect, right? You want to use the correct terms. Right. Yes. You want to but let people know that way, like, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm not an expert. <laughs> in this case, it's not necessary. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're sitting here and we're on a panel in front of like these people trying to talk about inclusion and diversity like that's how i am the question i wondered because i just it's something that's that i think about frequently it's something that i read yeah. about a lot and i just kind of you kept saying my team and i was like i just wonder out of curiosity not because of you know, I need you to defend your company or yourself or something like something dramatic here. It's just, it's just one of those things. And so, and I think it's just a good question. I think it's nice for people to have, uh, I guess a, an example. Context? Huh? Did you say podcast? Yeah. Context. context. I said context. Yeah. yeah. Like a, and I think that's like hard for me too, like to want to put myself out there and we sh- it is uncomfortable sometimes for me to like talk about I guess things in that way because it's like we shouldn't have to talk about this it should they should just it should just not be a thing yeah or to like put myself out there because I don't I also don't want to be under a microscope you know I don't know everything but I also felt like you know if one person you know looks at me like not that I'm I'm great or something and they're like well she does sound design like I I could do sound design too or like you know I you know so like she's a girl and she's doing it so that's cool. Like you need to have that sort of face. And I felt like, wow, if the numbers are that low, you know, as much as it makes me uncomfortable, like, you know, maybe I should put myself in some of these avenues so that I can see that like, you know, we're not just one type of, of person. Like the sound design community is many types of, of people. It's women, it's men, and it's, it's people of all types of genders and all kinds of backgrounds, right. From all over the world too. I mean, we kind of tend to be a bit like, U.S. centric when it comes to media, but you know there are people making media all over the world. <laughs> yeah. So there are people in every you know country speaking every language that do what we do, and they deserve to have a face as well. So I think for me, yeah. it's more just like I guess an example that there are people out there doing other things, like you said, like you didn't know that you could do post production stuff with video games and whatever until you have like another list right and i think that's really more of what it's about for me it's not necessarily about like you know i mean don't get me wrong i think that adversity is a great thing i think that we should be striving for more inclusion and stuff like that don't get me wrong mm-hmm. you know within reason like let's not go crazy now <laughs> like in the sense of like taking this to the extreme right mm-hmm. and the extreme being we're just hiring you just because you're black right yeah or that, just, i feel like that would never happen though <laughs> I don't want to go there, but I do think yeah. that striving for more general range of people in general is, is just great. But I think for me, when I ask that question, it's more just because uh, sometimes people just haven't seen examples of other people doing things. Like they just haven't yeah, seen examples of women doing certain things or black people doing certain things. And so mm-hmm. I think it's more just a uh, Here's a repre- like here's an example. Now, not the only person who does it. I like I don't need to be a spokesperson. I'm not a spokesperson <laughs> for like black women in, you know, audio or black women in podcasting or whatever. <laughs> the same way you're not a spokesperson for like women in, you know, the the video game world or sound design. Man, I feel like I fight that a lot though. You never feel that way. Not not I feel like I should be, but I I guess I get nervous like are people going to think that this is 
this is like what everyone thinks. So like now I have to be the face oh, of. Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm not the face of. I'm going to do my best. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, but there's a sound person and everything after that is like, I'm just a Danny and they're, they're Danny's are different than other people. Right. <laughs> no, I totally, so. I feel that way all the time, especially with having this podcast because yeah. I feel like people will have the potential to look at me and say, oh, well, this one person said it and she's black. So therefore it's like the gospel. What I say is not the gospel. Do your own right. research. Like find well, out. People are own. people. Everyone yeah. is different. I have You're my own flaws, human. my own experiences. Like I haven't yeah. gone through some things that somebody else might've gone through and whatever. Like I just, I need you guys to to realize I need, I approached this question and I approached talking to, to the people on this podcast from the, the mindset of, you are an individual and I want to hear your stories, but also those stories might be able to help potentially other people individually and collectively. Yeah. And that's all, that's all there really and that's is the goal. That's all you can do, right? Yeah. Like I don't, don't, don't come for me. Don't at me. Don't <laughs> at people. Okay. I don't need to Try be canceled on Instagram because I accidentally said something wrong one time, you know? I know I'm terrified. I'm terrified of something like that. But then at the same time, like in my head and then I'd be like, yeah, I'm can't cancel me. I'm the evil Danny. <laughs> 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 I don't want that for sure. But <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, no, I don't want people canceling me. Don't don't do it. Okay, it'll hurt my feelings. I'm just kidding. Probably wouldn't actually if you canceled me. I, you know what? I want to stop talking about being canceled. Let's talk about it. Are stupid, Let's just but... like try to be excellent to everyone and try to do good things and hope that that I, pays we'll just... off for the greater good. Yes, let's do that. Plus, I think cancel culture is kind of dumb anyway, so because nobody's ever really canceled. Something will come by and replace it soon. <laughs> well, you know, I just wonder what it's going to be. I wonder what the Zoomers are going to come up with because they're the ones who the next thing would include. Do, 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 do. But if you want to do some foley, we could do that too. We can record the food, so like mac and cheese, very gushy sounding. Yeah, don't do that. Eating oatmeal, very gross. I interviewed a lady who was a foley artist, and she talked about like stuff like that that she used to do. And I just was like, oh, I love doing foley. Foley is another one of my favorite things. I I love recording like in the field, but I also I love doing foley. It's so so fun. Yeah. Yes. So, so she works at Rooster Teeth. And so like all of her stuff was like super interesting stuff too. And I was just like, I think I've heard her talk too. She's really talented. I love listening to her talk. I learned so much every time she opens her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you go to the, to the AES meeting where she yeah. talked? She's on the for, for them? Yeah, yeah. We're all outside freezing? Yes. <laughs> that was so fun. We didn't even know. It was so fun. That was a great talk. In fairness though, it was I learned a lot. so cold. And I was just like, I asked her to be on my podcast and then left immediately because <laughs> I was freezing. Like how you go from such a beautiful day to like death winds. I mean, it wasn't I think I had like one coat on or something. I was like prepared. I am all about the bundle up. I was not prepared. I didn't know. I thought we were going to be inside. I didn't get the memo. I didn't we were know looking. we were going to be outside, but I think I got lucky and had like warm clothes with me or something. Yeah jealous i'm so jealous because i thought i was dying well it's freezing in my office at work so <laughs> i have to like dress for the in inside weather there and then like strip down for the outside weather when you get outside so yeah sorry i was trying to think i couldn't uh, tell if you were frozen or if you were just thinking i was like i was thinking i'm sorry I, I a lot of people do that they're like are you frozen i did not freeze i promise 
Um, but I actually, out of the questions that I wrote for you, I actually only had two more. So okay, I thought let's do them. that was let's actually them. a great thing. So what is a major obstacle that you have overcome to get to where you are today? Nothing. I've never had any obstacles whatsoever. Everything has been totally perfect my entire life done. It, so. <laughs> Hashtag no drama. Right? Yeah. I'm just trying to think too, you know, there's like, you know, everybody's got their own things that like kind of always going on in the background and you definitely can be difficult to like manage your your personal life and your big sort of personal things and like you know your your career especially you know and one that can be demanding or sometimes might demand a lot of like long hours or something you know that's getting better I think there's like definitely a push to not work people to death in the game industry anymore but yeah I don't know if there's just like you know your career is kind of part of your your life and you always are having to balance between like what's good for my career versus like what is good for my long-term health and happiness. And so that's something that I always have to, you know, keep in, keep in mind. Like, am I making a decision that's going to affect my long-term health or happiness or like, am I too stressed or like, you know, I'm faced with this situation, like what can I do to make it more manageable and make sure that like my home life balance is like in a place that I feel happy and, and healthy and that, you know, I can like get the exercise and social activity that, you know, I need as a person. I mean, I feel like, you know, starting out is the hardest part because like, you know, once you get that kind of couple of first years in there, you kind of like, it's one, you, you have more confidence, you know, more stuff. You also like kind of know like what to do in different situations, like, you know, how to look for work, where to look for work. And like, you have some stuff to put on paper. I think those first few years, like going from like being in college <laughs> to like getting a job and like, you know, always kind of being in that, that hustle and just being like, what if I don't make it? Like this is it I have nothing else like what do I do <laughs> like if I don't make it I, I'd say that was probably you know those first few years were the probably the, the toughest part is like getting getting sort of through those first couple of years and eventually once you get enough experience then it, it's a little bit easier or like you know if you if you work in a few different areas then you kind of know how to get in with each one of those or you kind of know what to do if something doesn't pan out because there's a lot of like well I'm just gonna move to Dallas in my car like I had a friend that was like you know, we got laid off at the same time. And I, I can't remember what I ended up doing that time. I think I had started doing the stagehand stuff and like, he hadn't found anything. And he was like, well, I found out that I can like take the train and take two suitcases. So I sold all my stuff and I'm just moving to LA and hoping it works out. Wow. But you know, it was a lot because it was like, well, it's a lot easier for him to get hired as a contractor if he lives there than if you have to move there. Right. So he was able to make it work for X amount of time, you know, so he did that and he got a job like right away. So apparently it was a good move. You know, sometimes when, especially when you're first starting out, the best job for you a lot of times is any job you can find. And that job might be in a, a place that's really far away or the city you did like love, you know, to live in. Like Volition is famously in like a pretty small town in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. A lot of people go there and they work on some cool stuff and they make some great games you know, and they can either stay there if they're happy there, or, you know, that opens the, the door to them to maybe, like, work somewhere else or work in another market. The thing about the game industry is that it, you know, it's centered around a couple of hubs. You can't necessarily go to any city in the, the United States and just work there doing it. So that can be something that can be, it could be kind of limiting just depending how things pan out for you, right? Like, I've been really lucky that I work in a great studio and we've been super stable and I've worked here for a long time, but 
you know, if God forbid the studio shuts its doors tomorrow, you know, it might be hard for me to find another job in Austin, even though we have some other studios because they might not have something or like, you know, it's COVID. So it's not like I'm going to go back to <laughs> live stage work right now or something. So, and even then I'd have to like work my way back into it. So I might have to move to like LA or I might have to like, you know, take a job across the country or I might have to decide like, you know, do I go a different way? Do I try to freelance? So I think just like the, the speciality of what we do is probably the, the toughest thing. And so those first years have been, of course, the toughest in terms of, in terms of that. <laughs> I think after that, you're sort of like, well, it's just part of like life and career and try not to try to like not lose sight of, of, of those things, you know, they're both important. So don't don't work until you know you're really sick because it happens all of the time and i've been guilty of this of work myself until i was really sick so you have to find a way to make those boundaries for yourself and i'm not the only one i've seen other people do this as well which is why there's you know beginning to even be a bigger push like you know this is not necessary like the team does better work when everyone is focused and we're not tired and we're not sick and we're not having problems at home (laughs) because we're coming home late all the time or something or you know, our partner is also working these crazy hours and, you know, we have to like take care of our kids and like make decisions that are right for our family, you know, adding all that stress into someone and then telling them like, go be creative and make the most amazing story ever. You're like, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so studios are starting to talk about, you know, like what do we do to make sure products never get in, into that state and then everybody's healthy and they're just happy. So. That's sort of, I don't know if that's just like a direct one thing, like one thing that happened. I'm really bad with that sort of defining moments. Ah, <laughs> but then I'm like, maybe it's not one defining moment. I do remember though the moment that so I grew up in a relatively small town of like twenty thousand people. And so what I my whole life I wanted to live in a city that had an interstate and a mall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, it wasn't that small because like the towns around me were like 50 people, 100 people. And my town had like, you know, 20,000 people. And then I went to college and there was like 100,000 people. And I was like, they have chain restaurants like IHOP and that's cool. And I didn't know FedEx was a real place. That's so fun. Oh my God, a mall. <laughs> like that, you know, that was crazy. And then I took this internship in Chicago and I was just like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, it was just like really like, walking into the this huge city and like I'm gonna go work downtown in Chicago this is crazy (laughs) and I was just like terrified of everything like what if I look at the building and people think I'm a tourist and someone bugs me and I'm like muggins are not that common (laughs) because you only ever hear about things from that that perspective and yeah so you definitely learn like you you know you're as afraid of what you don't know except for a small town I always thought the big city is going to kill you and around small town, it's like everyone in the big city is like, oh no, people from small towns, they might kill you. And it's like, we're just not going to run around killing each other as much as we think we are. But I do, I do like when I go visit Chicago, I have that moment of like looking up at the buildings and remembering like that sort of like change. Like, is this the rest of my life? Because it's really different than what, than what I yeah. said. not like that I thought, not even that I thought it would be just like, you don't have the perspective, you know, when you're that young until you're, until you're there, you know, mostly what's happened so far, which is probably wherever you grew up. So yeah. Fluffy stories with Danny. No, that's great. I mean, I guess (laughs) I I feel like I'm such a city girl. Like I grew up in a city. I I'm, I'm city all day or day. Okay. (laughs) If you want to get me in my happy zone, 
put me in a city, okay? Because I can do the city. Even better, give me a city with public transit. Done. Oh, I'm it. I'm good to go. Yeah. But I know for me, I thought moving to the country would be the death of me, right? Like I was like, what am I gonna do in the country? There's nothing in the country. Okay, there's nature, right? And I remember like how much nature can one person love? <laughs> I don't know. And I was terrified of it. All I kept thinking was everything's trying to kill me. The bugs are trying to kill me. My neighbors me. are gonna the be crazy. <laughs> You know, the crackheads are out here in these streets. I don't know. Like, I was, I like, I had, I guess in the country, they don't really have crackheads. It's more like heroin addicts, I think, meth. is more in the country or meth. Meth is I never thought country. about drugs as but, being a thing. I mean, people might be drunk, but look, I guess I, I always thought of that as like a city problem. You know, that's, we always, that's your problem. That's, you know, that's, that's what I mean. You know, like, we put, we put this crazy. stuff, we put this exactly. stuff on the exactly. other group, and I'm like, this exactly. All, we've got this all wrong. We really exactly. need to like set this aside and just like meet each other face to face because most of the time people are fine. <laughs> they're nice. Maybe they're weird or different than you, but most of the time it works out. And you know, I like have a fun adventure or I meet someone interesting or new and it's all good. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. My opposite was the country and I thought snakes were lurking under everything and, you know, you're going to get bit by like, I don't know, some sort of bug that was going to kill you and th there's no hospital down the street and so the ambulance has to come from 20 minutes away. What if they don't get there in time to save you and now you're dead? And like, I had all that these- That is I had true. All that is true. Fires. Our fires. That was the other thing. I like was really paranoid about fires growing up because it's like a volunteer fire department where my parents lived for a long time. So, Yeah. So it's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, my my final and last question for you is if you had to give any advice. No, that I can word this better. Any advice that you would like to give someone trying to pursue a career in audio? Uh, I've given so much advice already. Just rewind. No. <laughs> um, like a specific piece of advice or just a general advice? You can take that however you want to. Huh. Yeah, I mean... I definitely think it's like, you know, try new things, experiment. Don't feel like you have to have all the best equipment in order to do something. Like, be willing to use what you have, what you can borrow. Ask a lot of questions and be willing to, like, try different things or at least listen to people's advice. I mean, not every advice that someone gives you may be the right advice for you at a time. But, like, it'll be something that you still want to have in your toolkit in case you run into it. Or maybe you run into another person with their background. You come to the table with some understanding already. And it'll just make it easier for you to kind of pick up from there and go and like learn everything you can, even if you don't think it'll be useful later. Like that's a big one, you know, and I'm sure you relate to this. Some teachers will be like, when are we going to use this? And like, when am I going to use this? And you're like, you know, I don't know, but just trust me. Like it's might as well have the foundation. If you never use it again, like the thinking is still good. It, it adds more like neural pathways in that area. And it'll be a lot easier for you to figure out if you have some basis for it. But like, Man, there are so many times something comes up and I was like, oh man, I need to do trig right now. I got to look up how to do that. Or, like, or it's like, I need to like cal calculate this or like, oh, I think I need, I wish I knew calculus for this right now. But like most of the time when I've learned something, I've not regretted learning it. Even if I don't use it again later, I never felt like learning something new was a waste of my time. Um, and I think sometimes people worry about that a little more students, but most of the time I've, I've found that like, it's been to my advantage. And then also like, you know, be kind to people, you know, work hard and just like, know that it might be tough sometimes and people are going to say, you know, over and over again. So just try again. <laughs>
you know, are us different and like also find out like who, what are your advantages and like what resources are available to you and who is in your court. If you are a person who, like I lived with my uncle when I was in Chicago, I lived in their computer room with my, my aunt and uncle and like, they're like five kids and I took the train every day. They didn't charge me rent, <laughs> you know, and that was huge. And that was something that was available to me. And it's like, well, it wasn't perfect for me because I had been to college already and like graduating, come back. And then like, you know, I'm in my uncle's house and they have like teenage kids. So like, I have to abide by like teenage kids rules. And that was weird for me, but like, you know, it was a safe place with people who loved me and made sure I was okay. And like helped me get acclimated when I was transitioning to living in the city and let me live there for free. So that was like, a that was an amazing, like, you know, non like opportunity that came my way. So like, don't take those things for granted, I guess. Sometimes the thing that will help you be successful is like, you know, something like that, a resource or a friend, a scholarship, what, whatever it is, you know, don't take that stuff for granted. And like, because life is all about dumb luck. And so if an opportunity comes by you, just go ahead and, and run with it. So and my aunt gave me some really good advice around that time in my life. I was moving to Texas and I was like, you know, this is a big thing. <laughs> you know, I'm from the Midwest and I'm moving out of the Midwest place I don't really know um and um and she's like well you should definitely do it because you know if you do it and it doesn't work out you can always come home you know or you'll figure something out but like if you don't do it then you'll always wonder what happened if you didn't do it and you just kind of always stayed here so you know I did it and you know I had my own life journey after that but you know for me it's led to a good place so it's big and scary but take on those chances and yeah and use use what's available to you you don't have to have nine million dollars worth of gear like thousand dollar microphone is awesome don't get me wrong uh the sennheiser 8040 is one of my most favorite microphones and it sounds gorgeous but you know if you have a, a cheap microphone from goodwill and you can learn how to to mic it and learn all the problems that it has and learn how to get good with it you will have a lot of skills and when you get that nice microphone or you're at a studio where you're using it you know what to do. And it's like, you have that experience already. And that experience is worth something. That also say like, take yourself seriously. <laughs> when you walk into a room, you're like, I'm not Danny, the student, I'm just Danny. And I do audio. Um, and, you know, keep track of the students projects and take yourself seriously. Like, you know, like, take your project seriously, in terms of like, we're gonna do our best. And of course, you know, your first project may not be any good. <laughs> but like, don't treat it like it's throwaway work. Treat it like, it's your first project. You're going to learn some things and try some things because like when you're going out of school, that's when it's going to be, that's what's going to be on your reel, right? This is what you have as your experience. Uh, it's the thing that you like worked on. So use that practice opportunity as a, as the opportunity that it is, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. And also I might be wrong about everything. So get someone else's advice too. <laughs> because I'm going to sit here and tell you all this stuff and each one of my coworkers is probably going to tell you something completely different. And that's just kind of the way life is. So absorb everything you can. And then when you're in the situation, you'll be ready to like be more flexible and do what you need to do. So and talk for four hours. <laughs> Never <laughs> listen and talk on top of people. <laughs> Don't do that. But that's what I just did this entire podcast. <laughs> you did, but it's okay. Um, I, I get mean, so excited when I'm talking well, to I, friends. I, I want to talk on them and just, just want to do a little talk. I could tell. So I let talks. you. I let you. I Look, know. I'm really good it's at like, but I, I, 
I'm also really good at taking a step back and letting people have their space. I, I've, that's a skill that I've developed. <laughs> maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But I just feel like we're vibing and like, I just want to talk on top of you with you. It's like, we're doing a little talking. <laughs> but it doesn't, I need to get out well more. <laughs> it doesn't do well for recording for podcasts though, because then you're trying to talk and then you have to like, like if we're saying something on top of each other, you have to separate them out if you want to hear what both of us said. And then you're like, but then it doesn't make any sense. I'm making so all the cardinal sins. I should have recorded myself on a backup track and sent it to you, but yeah. No, um, Squadcast kind of does that. Um, so oh, nice. like, yeah, so it's like they record on their server, it records on my computer, and then it records you. Yeah, but like, I mean, I should have just made like a recording on my mic and send you a nice mic recording. You get this roomy one instead because <laughs> I didn't yeah. set up a mic this morning. Sorry. Got you. Okay, I see what you mean now. Yeah, well, you know, it just it's another opportunity to try to figure out how to use RX8 because I'm look, happy to answer any girl, of your RX questions. I lost. love RX. Really? Okay. Okay. I mean, lost lost is a bit dramatic, but. I, okay, no, lost, lost, lost is absolutely, it can be absolutely overwhelming. They have like There's an hour. Go ahead. So much of it. Okay, so I bought a bundled package that was like the production package. It was cheaper than buying them individually. So I was like, might as well get the full versions of like five softwares yeah. than to buy one for the same price that's mm -hmm. like $50 cheaper. That didn't make oh, sense. RX is the best. So RX8, and I got Ozone 9, and, nice. and then Neutron. Not elements, but it's neutron, whatever the full version of neutron. I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, though. I, don't, I never really mess with those, so I just use ours. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's like five of them, and those are the three that I've been trying to learn. So the neutrons one, I've gotten pretty good at because there's a lot of EQing involved in it and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, so this looks similar to things that I've used before. Ozone 9 for mastering, I got nothing. I was like, uh, we're going to come back to you. Um, <laughs> and then RX8 was the one I started with. and it is a lot like there are so many options for stuff and i'm like what am i supposed to be doing do you dump it all in do you not and then people have different advice about how you're supposed to do it like um Everyone's i watched this process yeah one podcast episode with the one of the guys who helped design or is like the lead designer behind rx8 either way he's a part of that whole team of making that software what it is and he was saying that like, you know, one of the best ways to do it is to start in small increments and you put it in and then you run it on like soft mode and then, you know, do it again and again, multiple times. And then it'll have a better effect than if you try to fix like a really big thing as one giant chunk and doing it on like hard mode. Yeah. It also depends like on your, your computer, how fast your computer is. Yeah, so it's a lot. It's just I I'd be happy to answer any of your questions on it because I I use it a lot and I really love it. One thing that helped me was there is like a master class I think on maybe it's like six or seven, but most of it will still apply that they did, um, and I learned a lot from from that. But like is I was sort of class? yeah, they have like a or not a mastering class, but like a, they call it like a master class. If I find it, also I think I bookmarked it uh, somewhere, but <laughs> otherwise, you can Google it. I'll send it to you. That was pretty helpful. But like, yeah, I totally can help answer questions. And I'll, I can show you what I do if you, if you want. Because 
for the de-reverb plugin, like if you want to try to see if you can de-reverb it, it's different. The other ones don't select the reverb. You actually read the whole thing or read a big chunk of it. But like if you have four hours of podcasts here, I would definitely say edit it first and then open it and RX. Oh, yeah. No, um, I don't do any of the EQing, editing, any. I mean, EQing, any sort of stuff like that, processing until after I've cut up yeah. the actual episode, cut it down to what it's going to be. Yeah. And then once it's in, it's this is the words that will be what they are. Then I do EQing, all that sort of stuff. The only thing that I keep on while um, editing is breath control because uh, if I don't have to cut it out, then I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only thing that I like will leave on while, um, while editing. editing. Because I'm like, if I don't have to cut every single breath out and that little lovely plug-in will do it for me and it doesn't drop out like the tusk sound or whatever. Yeah. I actually haven't worked with that one too too much. I usually, yeah, I, I do the noise clip a lot and like the spectral repair and also like, yeah, I, I go deep down the, the RX hole. So yeah, I'd definitely be be happy to, to look at any of the, the stuff with you. Cool. Well, we'll have to plan another day to do that because yeah. right now I will cook Pop's dinner. Yeah. But anyways, this was so great. Thank you so much for being on my out of it. I'm sorry it's so long, but also not sorry because it was really fun talking with you. But I know I get excited and I didn't like leave as much space, you know, between us talking as I needed to. So I hope it's not a nightmare for you in the edit. And also I hope I don't sound silly and the whole internet comes for us and, you know, it'll be fine. cancel and us. No, and then we anything. have to like move to a farm in the country and like you know grow raspberries or <laughs> oh my god if we're doing that i'm moving to the czech republic and i'm starting all over again okay but um no actually i have a huge following in india and they seem to like really love really this. that's cool yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, like it's like america and then it's india <laughs> like it's very interesting um wow. the analytics that we have um i mean there's only around other countries too but it's Look just you go you should be uh, proud I am. I just good work. It's a little overwhelming sometimes. That's all. But anyways, you have a great night. You. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You're the Bye. best. Be safe. Yeah. You too. Be awesome. Later. Bye.